2: Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salesneighborhoodpizzeria.com. We'll give my man a call. 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet. is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, Don't worry about it. Just visit uh, our website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the book. And by the way, you want more than one copy? Going to give some away for gifts? Then just drop me an email for uh, some special pricing. Billy at Talking Boxing, com. Um, My man uh, Dax Khan and Alex Papali are scheduled to join us a little bit later. Uh, We're going to give you some uh, post-fight thoughts uh, today on um, the Mikey Garcia-Robert Easter Jr. Unification uh, World Lightweight uh, fight that took place uh, last night, as well as uh, uh, the fights that were on the undercard. Uh, Also, a big fight over in England featuring two of the top heavyweights that don't have a belt. Uh, One used to have a belt, Joseph Parker going up against Dillian White. We'll tell you how that fared. Well, we also got some news to chat about and, of course, a preview of the big fight in the light heavyweight division, uh, which is next weekend between Sergey Kovalev uh, and uh, Eldar uh, Alvarez. With an emphasis on the co-main event, Dmitry Bivol will be taking on uh, uh, Isaac Chalimba. And it's kind of uh, projected that the two winners of the, those fights uh, will be facing each other. In the future, so uh, we'll be talking about all of that stuff, uh, but let's kick it off with uh, the eh, arguably the biggest fighter of the weekend, Mikey Garcia against uh, Robert Easter Jr. Each of them went into the fight undefeated. Each of them went into the fight with a world title, but only Mikey Garcia emerged from after the fight still undefeated and with two belts joining me right now to get his thoughts on this fight. Uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola? Sal, what'd you think of uh, Mikey Garcia against Robert Easter Jr.? Robert Easter
3: Jr. and Mikey Garcia. I'll tell you what, Bill. It was a good fight. It wasn't a great fight, and uh, there's definitely flaws, uh, or there's definitely some holes that we got to patch up or see Mikey Garcia patch up. Um, he was good, effective. Uh, fighter going in, uh, Easter had a jab, a good jab. He tried to establish, but like I said earlier off air, I mean the, the jab is 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 a great weapon. It's used to to create the distance. It's used to to make the other fighter think twice before he throws a punch. It's it's used for a multitude of reasons, but everything comes off the jab. And when Easter establishes jab, nothing else came off of it. It was it was hard for him to get on track to to put punches together and uh, Mikey Garcia had an answer when those punches did come Um, and Mikey Garcia was was, uh, a little heavier with his hands Um, I would have liked to have seen a little more head movement from Mike Uh, but I think that uh, and using the ring to cut it off and to try and establish uh, his own uh, um, uh, distance and stuff but it it was a good fight as I said it was a great fight and uh, go ahead no, I was going to say, you know, it, it,
2: it, I know the scores, the way the judges scored it, was a shutout, 116-111, uh, 117-110. You had it the way the third judge had it, 118-109, uh, all in favor of Garcia. but And, and I honestly didn't score this fight uh, while it was taking place. Uh, I, I, You know, at the end of the fight, I, I clearly thought that uh, Mikey won the fight. But, you know, it, it. what I couldn't help stop thinking about during the fight was that It's that same old judging criteria. In other words, uh, Robert Easter Jr. landed way more jabs. I mean, when he was throwing the jab effectively in the center of the ring, he was landing the jab, or or at least throwing them. I don't know how flush they were landing. Mikey Garcia, seemingly based on the scorecards, was winning rounds because he landed a couple of harder shots. And I've always wondered, you know, what's the formula – that judges should uh, adhere to, you know, how many jabs equal a power shot, you know, with the exception of when he was dropped, uh, when Garcia hit the deck, what a beautiful uh, uh, punch that was. I mean, just knocked him right down. Beautiful Um, combination. You know, I I mean, Mikey usually, one thing I've always liked about Mikey Garcia is that he is very proficient at – giving back more than he takes. In other words, if, if his opponent goes in there uh, and throws uh, five punches, you normally see Mikey Garcia come back with eight or nine. And I, I really wasn't noticing that throughout the fight. He did it in spurts. And, and I think he was stealing rounds. Listen, I love Mikey Garcia. but I know I didn't, you do. But I didn't think that that was one of his top performances. You and I talked a little bit before we went on air. I really didn't think it was one of his top performances. Um, he had to work the body. He had all that body to work. And quite honestly, Sal, I didn't think he was landing his body shots correctly. I mean, they were landing in such a way that he was making contact but all of his power, it was almost
3: like he was hitting with the heel of his glove. What what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, he was. It looked like the cuff or the heel of the glove. It looked uh, it didn't look like he was digging into it. it didn't look like he had the the follow through. Like like the one punch sets up another. And uh um I thought he could have been a little more effective to the body. Maybe he was being tentative for a reason. Maybe you know, he might have respected a little bit more. Uh but uh I, I think um like we said, I think he's got some holes he's gotta patch up. And uh, because i tell you what, I knew it was going to give him a hell of a night. You and I talked about this, too, and I don't want to steal any thunder. But I I think uh, he's going to have real have a real, real hard night against Errol Spence.
2: Yeah, well, uh, he's made no, uh, uh, you know, qualms about fighting him. He's called him out. Um, Spence was ringside uh, for the fight, was asked about it. He says, uh, well, you know, he gives him props because he's daring to be a great fighter. He wants to move up and dethroned me meaning Errol Spence is saying this he said but it's not going to happen I think he has great skills but I see myself winning Garcia said after the fight we fought another undefeated champion he brought the best out of me and made me work I'm always looking for the biggest challenges I want Errol Spence next I think that this is the biggest fight I'm prepared to take the challenge that's the fight I want um you know, the thing I love about Mikey Garcia is exactly that, Sal. Yes. That this guy does challenge himself. And, you know, he comes – He so far, he's come through. He's 40-0 with 30 knockouts. Uh, yep. He's moved up and down in weight. I, I, I saw some photos uh, of him at the weigh-in. He looked gaunt and skinny. I was like, oh, man, maybe it was this time he overtrained. And then fight night. The guy, you know, fills out and looks uh, beautiful, you know. So um, some guys can do that to their body as far as a potential fight with Garcia. I do see that fight happening as the next fight. Um, you know, for some reason, uh, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. want to wait a little while before they have that fight. Uh, Keith Thurman is MIA. Uh, they, there is a fight coming up between for the one of the vacant titles uh, between uh, Sean Porter and Danny Garcia. So that name, the winner of that fight, will be in the mix. Uh, but I do see uh, Garcia and Errol Spence going at it uh, in their next fights, uh, to be honest with you. And I'll tell you what, I already think that Mikey Garcia is a pound-for-pound top fighter. I, like I said, I, I, you know, it wasn't his best performance against Eastern, no. uh last night. I, I do think that easter the height uh, was giving mikey some trouble and and i would really really like to see him develop a body punch because like we said off air i tell you what you go into a fight against errol spence and
3: and you don't throw an effective body shot i think you're in trouble no you're 100% right you got to slow him down somehow and uh, of course that's what body shots usually do they'll uh, definitely be uh, deterred and they'll they'll uh, slow you down And uh, if you're if you're not careful, you know you're going to be be picking yourself up off the canvas because they'll drop you right away. But uh, um, you know, like I said, he's got some homework to do, especially if he's going to key on Errol Spence and uh, you know train specifically for that style um, of fight. And uh, I think uh, I think he's got he's got a lot a lot ahead of him because I see Errol Spence. doing what he does naturally and uh, just adapts and just does and just, uh, you know, pulls out a victory that uh, he earns and uh, he he, uh, he fights for.
2: You know, I really love Mikey Garcia. I mean. Um, I know you do. I, no, no, but I mean, uh, you know, he's the, not only in the ring but out of the ring. I mean, he's such yes. a a good uh, ambassador for the sport of boxing. Yes, and, he is. And, you know, he's, in, he's self-promoting. Uh, in a way, you know, he's forced to self-promote, I saw some really good, my man Mitch sent me this video clip of him working out that they put together, and all his trainers and everything, they're eating all this beef, and uh, he comes over, and they're like, uh, oh no, you gotta be careful, you can't be eating beef, you know, and they give him a plate of carrots, you know, so, uh, uh, and it was kind of funny, and uh, he's just the fans love him before the fight. He's in his dressing room. Where it seemed like a mariachi band. I mean, they're all playing music and having a good time. I mean, this kid was loose. Um, hey, hats off to Garcia. I hope he does uh, challenge himself and fight Arrow Spence. That's what great fighters do, Sal. Uh, yes. They challenge themselves and they take on challenges that most people think they're nuts to do. Um, you know, when people are talking about fighters and talking about great fighters, These are the ones, the guys that are truly great are the ones that have challenged themselves and come out on top uh, when most people say they shouldn't do this. It's a mistake, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And uh, this is one of the reasons I love Mikey Garcia. So we'll see what happens. He's a unified lightweight champion right now. Remember, he was the junior welterweight champion prior to this. He had both belts and decided to keep the lighter uh, weight class, which uh, was interesting. Um, Also on that card, in the heavyweight division, Luis Ortiz got back in the ring following his knockout loss uh, to uh, Deontay Wilder and uh, took care of uh, uh, Razvan Kajanu at 2 minutes and 8 seconds of the second round. Um, What a shot that was. Uh, Knocked him out. Uh, well, knocked him down. He, he, Kajanu got up and tried to get up and then fell through the ropes and tried to get up again and then fell forward, and the uh, referee waved it off. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with uh, Ortiz next. Uh, he looked good, but uh, no disrespect to Kajanu, even though he was a world title challenger, uh, did fight uh, Joseph Parker for his title, uh, and he also uh, went pretty deep in the ESPN heavyweight tournament. He's still not a top, uh, in my opinion, a, a true top heavyweight uh, out there today. So we'll see what happens with Ortiz. Interesting thing, it has as uh, his age all of a sudden 39. What, is he getting younger, Sal? <laughs> hey, he, hey, yeah, he getting younger to me too. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I have a feeling that Deontay Wilder, um, you know, providing he gets uh, by Dominic Brazil, which many believe is, is going to be his next fight, if he will give uh, Ortiz a rematch, it is a sellable fight. And we were always talking about uh, options for uh, for Deontay, and this is one. Uh, in another interesting fight on the, the this card, uh, Mario Barrios improved to twenty two and zero with thirteen knockouts when he knocked out uh, Jose Roman. Uh, At three minutes of the eighth round It's considered a knockout Because uh, Ramon's corner would not let him uh, come out He drops to 24 wins, three losses, and a draw Um, It was an interesting fight Uh, You know, Barrios is a real deal You know, this kid was moved along correctly He's been moved up Uh, His level of opposition has been moved up And uh, I think uh, when he gets his title shot, Sal His world title shot That he's going to come through What were your thoughts on that fight?
3: Yeah, I thought so, too. I think he, it was a steady progression of how he's been moved up, and uh, it's, uh, it's a good diet. He uh, rose to the occasion. We see that he's learned and that he's uh, expanded his or uh, developed his own talents on that level. And um, I, he was very dominant. I had him pitching a shutout, and uh, although he had a good opponent who was a steady uh, figure in there and durable um, no, I liked what I saw from him. I think he, I think he's got some good things coming in front of him. Um, some
2: other fights uh, that took place yesterday that I'd like to chat about before uh, uh, Dax and uh, uh, Alex come on later. Um, in a really and to talk about an entertaining heavyweight fight, uh, how about the Dillian White against Joseph Parker fight? Uh what a what a fight that was uh in case uh you guys missed it um Dillian White uh won a unanimous decision uh 113-112 115-110 114-111 all in favor of him against Joseph Parker but this was a fight in which both fighters hit the deck uh as a matter of fact uh Dillian White got credited for two knockdowns even though the referee missed one there uh, but the second knockdown uh, that took place in uh, the ninth round, I'm I give Joseph Parker a lot of credit for even getting up after that fight, uh, after that knockdown. I mean, it did not look like it. when 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 a fighter goes down the way Parker did, especially a heavyweight. Very rarely do they get up. And then, uh, as you know, just if if that wasn't enough drama for you, uh, in the final round, the twelfth and final round. Parker drops Dillian White. And Dillian White was still in all kinds of trouble and was smart enough to just hold on until the final bell rung. Uh, what a fight. Here, here's the thing. You know, I could see why your boy, Deontay Wilder, didn't want to fight Dillian White. Dillian White is still a, a, a learning process, but he's a dangerous guy. But, but here's the thing where, where I noticed first of all, Anthony Joshua couldn't knock Parker out. Um, not that uh, I think Parker was was you know doing more moving around against Anthony Joshua than he did against Dillian White, but but here's something I wanted to note uh, wanted to see if you noticed. Um, you know you know how we're always saying that Deontay made a mistake in not taking the fight uh, with uh, with Anthony Joshua, and he even went as far as to say that he thought that you know. $15 million was crackhead money and all this stupid, uh, ignorant statements that he says. But, but look at this. H- here's a great example. Joseph Parker f- took, uh, you know, he negotiated up and, and got more than what was originally offered to him to fight Anthony Joshua. And in two fights, the first one with Anthony Joshua, which he lost his title, and then this fight with Dillian White, which he lost. Do you realize, Sal, that this guy has made more money and his value now is is at a, at a at a point where no, Joseph Parker, whether he wins or not, I mean, if he lost five more fights in a row, I wouldn't be saying this. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is that he has upped his value just to get in these kinds of fights. Something that Deontay really hasn't done. You know, uh, what's your thoughts on on that? The fact that uh, Parker really is uh, making more money right now. He, now, granted, he's fighting some tough fights. But he is
3: making more money on a regular basis. That's, uh, you know, like I said, part of it is promotion, pro- part of promoting the fighter correctly and and making him marketable. And uh, uh, but that's that that's something that that should be a consideration. And and I'd be uh, I'd be some uh, I'd be kind of concerned about that. And and uh, you know if I was. Uh, Aren't they Wilder or so? How come other fighters are are getting uh, equal amount of money maybe more uh, when they're not a champion or this that and everything else and you know like we said, you know some fighters do not have the right promotional team behind them. and uh, if they did, I mean we were spoiled to to the to the antics, but the true blue, uh, promotion that a Don King would do, a Lou Duval would do, and a Bob Aaron would do from the eighties. You know, these guys were well these guys were, were not only promoting their their top fighters, but I mean they were creating opportunities and making things happen and uh, happening. And uh you know, uh, today uh, a lot of people count too much on social media to promote fighters, to do this, to do that. That's why fighters say the off the wall things to try and um, keep themselves out there. And you know, I, I think I think the old grassroots was a good proven formula. And uh, but to answer your original question, yeah, I think there should be some concern of why uh, he can't get that kind of money.
2: Well, no, what I'm saying is, is once you Parker was once making you, good. Yeah, Parker go was making level. good money yeah. in, in his home country, and nobody knew who Parker was. And then he fights Anthony Joshua. He goes the distance. Now all of a sudden, to get him to get in the ring, he's making multi million dollars, and everybody knows who Joseph Parker is. So his value has gone up. One of the problems with with Deontay Wilder is even people in the United States don't know who he is. And by saying that he wants to kill somebody in the ring and doing all of this, you know his approach to his self promotion is a it's it's a it's a it's a negative business model. If you know what I mean. I mean, yes, you get good press, and you know they they say any press is good press, but you know there is a line, especially in today's ultra. Uh, let's not offend anybody. World, um, you know that we live in. I, I don't know. My my point that I was trying to make here is Parker is is, is stocking up his bank account, and uh, Deontay Wilder still has only made uh, the biggest payday of his of his career was against Luis Ortiz and did not hit two and a half million. So uh, it is what it is. Another heavyweight fight that was interesting uh, on the undercard. Of uh, White Parker was Derek Chisora. Derek Chisora is a guy that uh is just a tough man. That's uh, you know, I never really looked at him as, as a uh, I don't want to use the word talented heavyweight because he wins, but you know, uh, he's not a technically sound heavyweight, but he won. Uh, the other night, uh, Derek uh, Chisora improved to 29 wins, eight losses, with 21 uh coming by knockout when he knocked out uh, Carlos uh, uh to come, uh, in the uh, one minute and one second of the eighth round, uh, Takam had been uh, ranked as high as number six by the IBF. Takam drops at 35 and five with a draw um, after the fight, which I found kind of funny. Eddie Hearn was saying, Oh, you know, trying to give Chisora all the credit, you know, and he says, Oh, I'm, I'm glad he fought, even though he had a, uh, a shoulder injury and he, he, you know, he didn't complain <laughs> about it. He stepped in and fought. And Chisora tells tells the press later on that he really didn't have an injury. He was just trying to get more money out of Eddie Hearn to let him to make him go through. Are the, you kidding This me? is the kind of character that Chisora is. I mean, he's that kind of is funny. funny. Uh, it is. It is. But, uh, I mean, what do you think? You know, hey, I'm, I'm hurt. I'll still fight. Can you throw me some more money? You know, that's pretty funny, I don't think you think?
3: That, that, you know what? <laughs> like I said, these guys are self-promoting. <laughs> that's
2: funny. Um, You know, some other news I wanted to touch on real quick uh, was um, Billy Joe Saunders has agreed to fight Demetrius Andre uh, and put his title on the line. Um, you know, they reached a deal. This, this fight was going to go to Persbit for the WBO. They reached a deal. This is an interesting fight and it's also interesting because of the two promotional uh, teams. Uh, Matchroom Sports, Eddie Hearn's Matchroom Sports, uh, their biggest rival in, in England is frank warren and frank warren uh is uh with billy joe Saunders. that's billy joe Saunders' promoter and demetrius andre as we all know has just recently signed with eddie hearn these two guys cut the deal they made it happen uh prior to the purse bid they didn't want some uh, third uh uh you know wild card to come in and, and take it and it's reported uh in most cases it hasn't made been made official um, but uh, the uh, the D A Z N the Zone service is uh, looking like they're going to be the ones to uh, broadcast it here in the uh, uh, United States. Uh, they're getting some big fights on that streaming service at least at least initially. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, right. Anthony Joshua was the first one, but uh, it seems like they're tying
3: up some uh, some fights on there. What do you think? Well, you predicted it, and uh, and I think it's coming to fruition. But it's funny, Bill. I just go back to what I used to always say. Yeah, uh, you know, if if two fighters really want to fight each other, they'll make it happen. And here we go against uh, against the normal uh, path, and uh, we see a fight's going to come to fruition. And like I said, if Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua really wanted to fight each other, all the all the blanks would have been filled in.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? I can't help but but consider this about your boy Wilder. Well, first of all, to close this thought, a location and a date has not been uh, announced yet for Billy Joe Saunders, Demetrius Andrade. Um, you know, you would think it would be over in England because of Billy Joe Saunders, but the zone taking this service and wanting to be, you know, make a splash here in the United States, uh, it may not be, uh, you know... Uh, Added a realm to have to see this fight land someplace in the United States, so uh, uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. But you know, getting back to your boy Deontay Wilder, uh, turning down big money deals, uh, and then him demanding that he's worth more has kind of followed him around. You know, we were talking about uh, Dillian White and his uh, knockout drag out, uh, very entertaining fight with Joseph Parker uh, last night. Um, remember Eddie Hearn offered Deontay Wilder five million dollars which I think it eventually rose to seven to fight Dillian White in England on an undercard of Anthony Joshua's fight and Deontay turned it down wouldn't fight it so so even if he took that fight and and I think Deontay could beat Dillian White I think that He's got more power, obviously, than Joseph Parker. I think Joseph Parker is more talented in terms of his box, his pure boxing ability. But Deontay Wilder has that freakish punching power. And I think he could knock Dillian White out. So there's another fight. That he let pass through his fingers, Sal, and maybe that could have been the fight that got him more value, and maybe the offer to fight Anthony Joshua, should he have beaten Dillian White, would have been substantially bigger. What's your thoughts on that?
3: Well, that's an interesting uh, scenario, but here, here you go. You know, you have both heavyweight champions in this this situation, both feeling they're the elitists, that they're they're the ones that deserve top billing. And when you uh, approach a Deontay Wilder uh, and say, hey, I want you to fight on my undercard or, or you could fight on this one, uh, I, I, it should have been maybe promoted as a co-feature. Uh, right. You know, it, 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 it would. It, it would have been. It, it would have been. But uh, I'm sure it would have been, been. But again, you know. Uh, Wait a minute. Can I, I
2: ask you, are you suggesting that ego played a part in this?
3: Wherever you go, ego. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but
3: you know, is that what you're suggesting, Rocky? Well, absolutely. Though was the time when I wanted to. Yeah, I, I think I think ego had something to do with it. I think also, like I said, we we haven't seen the best decisions being made from the Deontay Wilder camp. But wouldn't have you and, learned from that one? There's well, one. Hypothetically, I mean, when he was when he was offered up to fifteen million dollars to fight Anthony Joshua. Oh, we did the math. He hasn't earned two and a half million dollars uh, maximum for fights, and you know he, that that's ten fights away for him to maximize to get what he could got what he could have gotten in one fight. And uh, number one, number two, there's no promises for tomorrow in a boxing game. So when you do a two fight deal, looking at possibly earning thirty million dollars, you you know your risk reward is, is a lot better uh, than what you're doing over a course of of five years. Um, so. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like some of the best decisions have been made and hammered out from the Deontay Wilder side. Uh, no matter what my thoughts are, who could beat who, uh, and you know how I feel about that, I think that Deontay Wilder has not been advised maybe uh, properly with seeing all the realms and all the full circle of the big picture, not just a small microscopic picture in front of him. <laughs> Um, the
2: bottom line, my point was that should he had taken the fight against Dillian White, and yeah. it, it didn't happen, but if he had, number one, his purses would have jumped from you know, his max of a 2.5 million or actually less when he fought Ortiz. He, all of a sudden, he would have had that $5 million purse. He would have never stepped in the ring for less than that again. So immediately, he would have been worth more for, for the potential Ortiz fight. He would have been more uh, worth more for a potential fight with Anthony Joshua. So it was a bad business decision not to fight Dillian White. And instead of following it with a better decision to get back on track, he followed it with even a worse decision by turning down. You got to remember, he turned down a two-fight deal worth $20 million. He turned down $15 million guaranteed to fight Anthony Joshua, and they gave him an option. though He could pick any bum cupcake opponent that he wanted to fight in a fight this time of year, you know, in the fall, uh, and get paid $5 million, twice that he ever made, uh, more than he ever made so far, and then have the showdown with Anthony Joshua in April. They're going to have a showdown. It's going to happen. And it's probably going to happen in April anyway. So once again, a bad decision by Deontay Wilder preventing himself from making a lot of money. I it, Listen, he is being ill-advised. There's no question about it. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. We all know that. You know, he's a couple of french fries short of a happy meal. We, we know that. But uh, But the truth of the matter is, is the people that he trusts, the people he's put around him, and the people who make a percentage of his money, that's the other
3: part that's so mind-boggling, um, are leading him the wrong way, Sal. Well, and, that, and that's the whole synopsis that you just uh, went over. And uh, is, is it truly one side or the other? And, you know, we, we, we want to say it's uh, his, his advisors that are being uh, the ones that are ill advising him what to do with next and how to position himself but you know you look at it and uh is he the boss uh, is he just looking for what's going on in his world right now and making the decisions once presented with the is he being presented with the black and white facts is, does he understand what, what's going on because like I said when fighters want to fight each other they'll get in the ring they'll make it happen and uh I, I think he's made a few bad moves and uh not that he's—it's not going to all come to fruition for him over the next year and a half, two years. It's just that I think, uh, according to what you and I may have thought would have been a uh, a great path for him to take to maximize his his uh, value, uh, it, it's 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 not happening. And yeah, he would have been showcased on on the co-feature of uh, Joshua. He would have been showcased. There would have been a demand. There would have been more, uh, as you said, his equity would have risen. Uh, by by allowing the world to see him uh, fight uh, a co-feature with uh, Anthony Joshua defending his title as well. Listen, we got
2: to take a break. We're gonna have Dax Con come on here in a sec, but let, let me just say this: egos in sports are the worst thing. It has tradi- throughout the history of sports, ego has been the cause of many a problem. And you know, I, look at look at Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather's ego is preventing his promotional team uh, from really excelling in the United States. Um, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather's ego, Canelo's ego with negotiating for other fights to have their names first. That, that's ego, right? Um, look at it this way. I'm going to leave you with this. Look at it this way. I'm, Again, I'm not a Yankees fan, okay? I'm not a New York Yankees Easy. fan in baseball. Easy. but. You know, one of the guys that I respect the most was Derek Jeter. And Derek Jeter, which could go down as one of the you know, best uh, shortstops in, in baseball, uh, at least best teammate, clutch hitter, everything. The guy never got in trouble. He once said, you want to be a Yankee, you got to leave your ego at the door. You can have your ego when you leave the clubhouse, but you can't bring it inside. And it proved to be very successful for him. And uh, I would suggest that uh, uh, Deontay Wilder let go of his ego because really he should let go of my ego.
1: Billy C will be right back. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCboxing.com.
2: And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, joining us right now to give us his thoughts on uh, Mikey Garcia's win last night uh, is uh, my man Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax.
0: Morning. How are you?
2: I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, a couple of big fights last night. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Mikey Garcia beating uh, uh, Robert Easter Jr. I, you know, I, I didn't... Sal and I were talking about this earlier. I don't know if you were uh, listening, but... You know how much I like Mikey Garcia. I know you and I disagreed uh, on him over a couple of things, but I I love the guy. I think he's a top pound-for-pound fighter. Didn't think it – I mean, he won. He won the fight. I didn't think it was one of his best performances, but he won the fight. What was your thought of the fight itself?
0: It wasn't uh, the most exciting of fights. Uh, (coughs) If if you kind of want to make a little bit of a comparison when you think about this this height and reach difference, and I was – not that it was the same quality but uh... it almost reminded me of the first ray leonard and tommy hearns fight where uh... tommy was moving around and outboxing ray until later on when ray found a way to close the distance with that height and reach uh... disadvantage and then once he did you know he really took it to tommy and we seen that last night uh... robert easter uh... because of the jab was able to keep mikey you know at at distance but he wasn't as effective with that jab as really made out in my opinion anyway and um, he never sat down and did any work. It was a lot of times it was just like a flickering jab. Mikey was catching a lot of those on his gloves. Um, inside, I thought Robert Easter Jr. had a very good game plan. Um, to, you know to uh, time Mikey up and wear him out. But it wasn't the best of his performances. And I think uh, Robert Easter Jr. You know he should stay in that division. Obviously, uh, he has some big fights for him. But you know, other than that, it, 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 it was a good fight. It wasn't a great fight, as you see.
2: You know, the other thing I had noticed, uh, Dax. And Sal and I were talking about it earlier as well is that Mikey Garcia, although he's not known for body work, he knew that he had to work the body a bit against uh, Easter, especially since he had so much to work. But I couldn't help but notice that he doesn't throw a good body punch. Here's a guy that I think is one of the better fighters in the sport. I love him. I love the fact that he throws a lot of punches, he's accurate, he's elusive. Uh, but when I was watching him deliver the body shots, I'm not saying he didn't have the openings, because he definitely had the openings. He just wasn't landing them in an effective manner. Did you notice that, and what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, he had to reach around uh, those long arms of uh, Robert Easter Jr. I, I did notice that a few times. But, um, yeah, no, uh, Mikey has never been known for his body work. Uh, you know, so him to, uh, to do that, you know, he really had to step out of his comfort zone and – um the thing about Mikey Garcia in that fight, I think, that really wore Robert Easter Jr. down was the fact that Mikey just kept coming forward. And the one thing that I did see uh, about Mikey last night that I was kind of disappointed in is a lot of times he uh, he chased Robert Easter Jr. And rather than cut off the ring. So I'm not really sure, you know... You know, it was a good fight. It wasn't a great fight. That's all I can say. I think Mikey won clearly. I don't think Robert Easter Jr. was really that effective with the jab. Maybe if he would have followed it up with some one-twos. Um, I Definitely, in my opinion, I think Mikey Garcia, as good of a fighter as he is, he should stay away from 147 pounds. Or if um, he should go near uh, 147, maybe test the waters with a, a Lamont Peterson or uh, Lucas Matisse, who just lost to Manny Pacquiao, maybe Manny Pacquiao himself with that WBA belt, a uh, little dig at top rank, A um, uh, Jamal James, you know, kind of test of orders. But, you know, you don't want to go up there and go in there against an Errol Spence because, you know, a very big man against a very good little man, we always know how that ends, and I don't think that would end well for Mikey Garcia at all.
2: I do respect Mikey for uh, wanting to challenge himself, and I do think that that fight uh, will be made, to be honest with you. but uh, And it will be their next fight. Um, Also on that card, uh, Luis Ortiz returned to the ring, uh, devastating uh, uh, knockout uh, over uh, Razvan uh, Kajanu. Um, First of all, uh, did you notice that (laughs) Ortiz is 39 now? Wasn't he 41 against uh, Wilder? I I I, I I, I, I thought he was 41. Uh, uh, against Wilder, and I even checked, and, and even Boxrec is saying 39 now, and I'm saying to myself, "Wait a minute! I wish no, I still had ain't. the sheet." That, that,
0: that's always been his, his uh, correct listed age. But Why? How course, many years has he been 39? Joke in
2: his correct listed age. Yeah, but how, how, how old how how many years has he been 39? Come on, man. Come on. But anyway, I, what many was, years you, have you been,
0: uh, you know? Hey, years. hey now,
2: hey now. I'm, I'm still younger than South, my, my but still. So, so well, what I was do you, saying yeah.
0: in the chat room, me and Joel were saying, you know, South Sincola versus uh, Luis Ortiz. We can build that. How old are they?
2: <laughs> how old? <laughs> re- how, really, how old are they? But It'll what be. was your thoughts on <laughs> the performance? I know it only went two rounds but uh, any thoughts on that
0: I thought Luis Ortiz uh looked good he looked good in the uh the Deontay Wilder fight but of course um you know he got tired later on and uh Deontay Wilder was you know able to uh survive that you know he really uh showed his mettle in that fight I just think uh time is running short on Luis Ortiz they kind of waited him waited him out a little bit and uh those couple instances where he had the um the PED uh uh, uh, being caught, you know, uh, for PEDs a few times. That didn't help his career, so, you know, all things against him. But, you know, um, I think maybe one or two more uh, fights he has left in him, and if he performs like he did on uh, Saturday night, you know, he was very, um, he was kind of conservative with his punches. Uh, he used his jab well. He has a tremendously long reach at 84 inches, and, uh, he, you know, he timed those punches well, and I agree. Not that uh, Conjano is a... Um, uh, you know, a world beater, but you know it was a good fight for Luis Ortiz to go back in there, and, you know, and see what the legs still got under him. And of course, you know, in those little two rounds. And um, as far as uh, um, kujanu what was he thinking about uh, showboating against Ortiz? I I didn't get that part. Did, was that part of the game plan? Was it because James Tony was in the corner?
2: What after the first round? I know he went back to he went back to the first to his corner like he was saying. Let's speed it up. Let let's let's not, you know, because their game plan was to try to wear Ortiz down, according to uh, the commentating, anyway. But uh, do you think this sets up a rematch with uh, Deontay Wilder next? Deontay Wilder has been given uh, at least verbal permission by the WBC to seek a rematch with Ortiz prior to fighting his mandatory against Brazil, because his mandatory technically isn't due. I think uh, for some reason, I think December is when that was due. Uh, so, what's your thoughts on that? Are we going to see a, a Wilder Ortiz rematch?
0: I don't. I don't. Maybe I. I don't know. Um, if these. Uh, if this fight against Joshua can't get made, then then possibly. But I really don't see any uh, reason for it. But you know, anything, anything's possible in boxing. But I actually think you know the only fight that would make sense for everybody is uh, Joshua against. Um, uh, uh, Wilder against Joshua, but I would like to see uh, maybe uh, Luis Ortiz against Dillian White.
2: Yeah, I i would like to see Wilder against White. But anyway, let's move on. Mario Barrios looked good knocking out Haze, Jose uh, Roman uh, in that fight. Uh, I was wondering about Barrios because this is a fighter that uh, has been moved along carefully. He has been stepped up uh, in his last couple of fights, uh, but this was a huge step up, I thought. And uh, he handled it pretty well. I mean, I, I think he proved, at least to me, that he's the real deal. What's your thoughts?
0: Well, he proved to me that him and Luis Ortiz walk around about the same weight because he was about well, – he, he, he had to be a junior middleweight on uh, fight night. He was, he was huge. And not that Barrios uh, doesn't have skill. He's a skilled kid. But, you know, he's having that growth spurt. He, he's shooting up in weight. Um, Jose Roman only had two weeks to prepare for the fight. He lost his last fight. He's not, you know, exactly uh that, you know, uh, a world-class boxer, more or less. He's a part-time fighter. He's a student. Um, I think that um, putting uh, Barrios in there against guys like Jose Roman—he's been in there against a few uh, lightweights guys. That he's had a lot of size over. Uh, when they do step him up, it's going to hurt him. It's it's going to be very detrimental to him. Remember, this was a 142-pound catchweight fight. Uh, for some uh, wba intercontinental title so um barrios you know i think the kid might have the goods but you know putting him in there against uh, fights like this you know it's hard to tell exactly how good he is because he's in there against guys that were made to made for him to look good let's see who he is when he actually steps up against the guy that has a full training camp that is actually you know a a welterweight and i don't think that barrios is going to make a uh, junior welterweight, which, you know, is supposedly the division that the campaigns in and what they were saying in the post-fight, but, you know, there's a lot of guys in, those, in both those divisions that are big, that are strong, that are a whole lot more skilled, so even if uh, he should choose 140 or 147, the idea of this kid in a year beating any of these top names, I, 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 I don't see that, and that's the part where, you know, they, they, they take too many steps, you know, they go from ste- uh, you know, step C to step Z, and that's how, how they hurt a fighter, especially when you put him in there against showcase guys like Roman.
2: Uh, in my opinion, the most exciting fight over the weekend uh, Dillian White against uh, Joseph Parker. Back and forth fight. Um, uh, Dillian White was lucky to, to hold on in that last round. You know, we, we had talked, especially you had mentioned uh, uh, what a great chin uh, Joseph Parker had, and, and he kind of showed that against Anthony Joshua. Um, I was impressed that he got up uh, when he uh, was dropped in the ninth. Uh, What was your thoughts on this fight and both fighters?
0: Uh, As far as the chin goes, you know, isn't he some sort of relation to David Tua?
2: (laughs) They they fight very similar. Well, the the chin Uh, is uh, very uh, similar.
0: No, no, I I was... I read somewhere. Sure, there's some sort of relation. Uh, cousins, second cousins, or something like that. You know, and David Tua. You know that that guy had a chin on him. So you know, uh, th- those those um, Samoan guys, they uh, they can really take a punch. You know, but of course, Joseph Parker. What he lacks is is that David Tua explosiveness. Uh, um, I think the Joseph Parker you know he held on to that WBO title you know as we see now a little bit longer than she uh, should have even uh, the win over Andy Ruiz Jr. wasn't all that good but uh, Dillian White himself I think he gets better in every outing uh, we thought that in the um, fight against Lucas Brown that maybe he was just uh, a very old overrated Lucas Brown that allowed him to look good but Dillian White in all his fights uh, since the Anthony Joshua fight has gotten better he did uh, slip a little bit in the Derek Chisora fight where he got wrapped up in trying to uh, go for excitement rather than going out uh, for the win and taking less punishment. So, you know, that that um, it, it's an interesting fight, and I definitely think that um, if the uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder fight doesn't get made, that uh, the Dillian White and the Deontay Wilder fight is what should happen, and that would be the best for the division, and then uh, the winner of that fight uh, go for all the marbles, where... Um, Dillian White versus uh, Anthony Joshua, that would be, you know, right now with the the rematch there with the role that Dillian White's on, that would be huge, and that would really upset the apple cart. Um, As for Joseph Parker, there were so many things he has to improve on. He has to improve on his his speed. He has to improve on uh, his work rate in the ring, or else Joseph Parker's going to be a flash in the pan, a fly-by-night guy that in two or three years nobody even remembers who he was.
2: Hey, uh, Sal, how about, since your boy is always looking for the easiest ways out, it appears, How about Deontay Wilder going up against Joseph Parker? Joseph Parker uh, is a name. Joseph Parker is a former world champion. Um, Deontay Wilder could go in there uh, looking to knock him out, something that uh, Dillian White and Anthony Joshua failed to do. Uh, What's your thoughts on the possibility of that fight? in, In Wilder's eyes, that could be a safer fight than fighting dillian white and of course uh he doesn't want to fight aj so i mean what's your what's your thoughts on a possible uh matchup with parker
3: well i still feel that he does want to fight aj but we'll go on to another story about well, that. why didn't he day. sign the contract he had the By contract now. in front of him right. i think that uh joseph parker would be a good fight for him i think that he would be in a position to uh, to to look good, he'll win, and I think uh, he could be the guy that could stop Parker. Uh, is that going to be a good thing to keep in his quiver and to to uh, to have on his resume? It could be, but like I said, Bill, you know, there, there's only one fight I want to see really in the heavyweight division, and that is Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. And uh, we're going to get a lot of fluff before we get the stuff. So, uh, everything else is secondary as far as I'm concerned. I, I really. Hey. It, 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 it has some substance, but uh, like I said, the only fight in the heavyweight division for the titles and the championship and a whole ball of wax is Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Hey, Dax, uh, Dimitri Sanjay uh, bought out his
2: contract with uh, Star Boxing and Banner Promotions and uh couldn't have been two weeks later maybe just two weeks later he signed with uh, eddie hearn in matchroom sports and uh over the past uh several days um his ordered fight uh, between billy joe saunders that was about to go to purse bid ends up getting a deal made again between two arch rivals something similar that used to happen with uh don king and and uh, uh, Bob Arum, they, they hated each other, but they made fights happen. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders against Demetrius Andrade is a fight that's going to happen. There's no date yet. There's no location. Uh, but they do know it's going to be broadcast on the, the Zone uh, streaming service. What was your thoughts on, number one, uh, the timing, uh, him getting uh, kicking to the curb a couple of promoters that really – in my opinion, have really uh, hindered this guy from being a household name, and two, uh, the fight against uh, Billy Joe Saunders.
0: Well, as far as getting rid of the promoters, um, we've spoken about that for years, that this kid is really, his prime is just more or less in, in front of him, in front of us, his prime is just pretty much dissolving. Because he's not fighting active enough, he's not getting the purses. Um, a lot of I know, I know that a lot of times he didn't want to uh, take some of these smaller fights because they just weren't worth it. And then in his last couple of performances, um, even when he went over and he won that uh, that that belt over there um, last year. He hasn't looked that sharp, you know. I definitely think that um, Demetrius Andre, with all these layoffs, has slipped a little bit. And I think Billy Joe Sanders has gotten better. But, you know, maybe um, if this fight does get made and we might see Demetrius Andre step up to that next level, fight up to the level of competition or somebody actually there in front of him. The two of them at their best, I think that's a very exciting fight. I actually think that would be um, just as exciting as Canelo versus Triple G in their rematch. And the winners of those two fights going against each other would really set this middleweight division on fire.
2: You, you think uh, Billy Joe Saunders is getting better and Andre is getting worse? Is that what you said?
0: Yeah, I, I just think you know, Andre in his last couple of fights hasn't looked that sharp. He hasn't, um, his uh, accuracy uh, hasn't been all that. He hasn't uh, fought very inspired. Uh, it just seems like he goes in there and does enough to win. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders, since, um, you know, the Andy Lee fight or she had to go back a little bit further to the Chris Eubank Jr. fight, he just seems to get better and add to his game.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I, that's why I blame a lot of Demetrius's lack of uh, performances, good performances, or looking flat in his last performance is the fact that he didn't fight enough. And I, I just think that he was uh, either, you know, uh, being forced to to outbid themselves for fights, and and you know, not everybody can make a standing. And and Deontay Wilder can could he could admit that just because you're a name and and a champion and you want you know to make more money sometimes there comes a limit and I think that that was what has happened with Andre so he's got a big opportunity in front of him but it's going to be hard for him to go from being as dormant inside the ring as he has been and stepping up and fighting a very big middleweight in Billy Joe Saunders don't you think?
0: I, I absolutely, you know, I do. You know, Andre, um, he's a big guy himself. You know, six foot one. Um, he's got a long reach. Uh, you know, talk about, you know, having to go into a fight. If if a fighter's not happy, you know, I was just thinking about um, the one fight um, back in 2012 when he fought uh, Rudy Cisneros, and I was ringside. I was actually on the apron, and um, that was, you know, a look-good fight, stay-good fight for him, and, uh, you know, his team afterwards was trying to play it up as if this, you know, he just beat a world-class opponent, and uh, one of his team members looked over to me because I was kind of shaking my head as if, you know, really, you know, he didn't do anything here. I don't know why everybody's uh, celebrating so much, and they were like, you didn't like what he just did, is what his corner man asked me. I said, yeah, it looked great, but You know, when's he going to do this against the top guy? And his corner man looks straight at me and says, when are they going to pay him the money and when are they going to stop taking most of his money and then maybe he can step it up. But it's hard to do that when you're not keeping your own money. So, you know, it's kind of hard to stay um, focused. It's kind of hard to stay inspired. It's kind of hard to go out there and uh, to look spectacular all the time when you know most of your money is going to somebody else's pocket. So that might be the... reason for uh, Andre in his last few fights or these last few years, why he hasn't looked that spectacular. So we'll see what happens when he gets back in there with, uh, you know, these top names. Let's see what Eddie Hearn can do for him, and let's see what happens with him against Billy Joe Saunders. But he can't uh, perform like he did against Atlantis Fox or Jack Colkey, maybe not even against Willie Nelson, you know. He has to perform like he did against Brian Rose, um, something like that, you know, or else Demetrius Andre, you know, he's, you know, his prime, uh, uh, you know shuck from him more or less due to bad promotion.
2: Uh, before we let you go, Dax, uh, next week uh, we'll be doing a post-fight show. Um, Sergey Kovalev is uh, taking on uh, Elder Alvarez, who's uh, a, a tough opponent. Been the mandatory for that guy up in Canada for for 150 years, I think, and uh, never got a shot. Mm-hmm. Made more money, more step aside money than he's ever made in the ring. But um, it's an interesting fight uh Kovalev uh, since since quitting against uh, Andre Ward he's he's come back uh you know with two wins and stuff but he he, he just doesn't he's not the same Kovalev in my opinion uh, especially I just and I know Sal agrees with me here we both just kind of look at him differently because of that that last fight with Andre Ward and, and you know how he literally quit and uh um, Can a win over Alvarez change that, or can he not even beat Alvarez? What's your thoughts on that fight?
0: I think he can beat Alvarez, who um, himself, well, they're in similar age, and even though Alvarez is undefeated, you know, there's a guy that, you know, because of step-aside money, um, you know, he, he was doing well, uh, had big wins up there over Pascal, uh, Bute. Um, but you know, he, he doesn't fight that often. This has been over a year. He's had a layoff, you know He has to win over uh, Chilemba, but you know, he doesn't have really a uh, world-class power Kovalev does have world-class power. Uh, Kovalev can deal with a boxer You know, so this is an interesting fight Um, if anything's gonna happen, it's gonna be Alvarez is gonna outpoint Kovalev Which you know, um, I you know, I, I don't know, but you know, I, I this, this is a hard fight Um, you know to call as far as losing the respect for Kovalev. I I know a lot of guys. I think they're being a little too hard on Kovalev with the uh, the Andre Ward um, fight. I, I I don't know. I think people just pretty much wrote Kovalev off on that. But um, it, 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 this this is tough. You know, both these guys are at the you know uh, they're they're in their mid 30s, and you know there there's other guys coming up, and I'm just I'm not that excited for the fight.
2: Well, the the co event that features Dimitri Bivel, um, you know, the, the it's assumed anyway that the two winners will meet. Um, that could be an interesting fight,
0: that's what I'm excited for.
2: Yeah, well, that,
0: that, that Bibble does what Kovalev used to do is, um, when Bibble's gonna fight, you know, you get excited because you know that this kid is special and he's gonna bring something special in there. And I actually think you know, he's Sergey Kovalev. At Kovalev's best but on levels because instead of just going in there and being a destroyer He's actually a very sound technical boxer who knows exactly what his opponent is going to do He's two three steps ahead of that opponent And um, you know when you have a guy like that who is young And he's just starting to come into the division You get excited because you just want to see exactly how far he's, he's going to take it And you know you have these interests where it's you know Even the fight that you know he's going to win You just want to know exactly how dominant a uh, fashion he's going to win in. And I don't think that anybody including including Kovalev, is too excited about Bibble, and it looks to me that the way that even main events with some of these press releases that they have been sending out, is almost as if Kovalev himself is being written off by them, and Bibble is being looked at as, as the new golden boy, and unfortunately for Ajit Chalemba, who's, uh, whose moniker is uh, the golden child, I believe, he just seems to be the one that fed to all these golden boys.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Dax, we'll look forward to you next week, my man. Thanks All right, for,
0: everybody, uh, enjoy the day. All
2: right, have take Have a good care. day, Dax. You know, uh, Sal, I, Dax uh, defended uh, uh, Kovalev. I, you know, I, I, I the first fight you could make an argument, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but uh, we're going to take a break and get Alex on right now. But, you know, the first fight you could make an argument that he was kind of robbed, uh, Kovalev, against yeah, Andre Ward. I, I, I mean, so. we we all kind of thought Kovalev won that fight. Yeah. And then uh, Ward comes back, says he's gonna knock out Kovalev, and does. Uh, now I've never been an Andre Ward fan ever. There's just something about him. I know, I, I know he's extremely talented. I don't take anything. Away. I love him as an announcer, but there was always something about this guy. I never like. But I gotta be honest. I'm with you. I, I you know, my whole opinion of Sergey Kovalev, the crusher, the destroyer, it is to that went out <laughs> the window. Went out the window. I mean, but he was he that. was looking for the help from the referee during that fight, yep. and then he ends up getting knocked out with the body shots. It just—I I can't look at him the same way. What do you think?
3: No, I, I, nor can I, Bill, and, and that's the whole thing. I mean, uh, uh, Kathy Duva has a, has his, her hands full with the promotion uh, promoting him now, and and uh, you know, is the prize worth the price? Can he put that much in? Can he reinvent himself? Can he do something spectacular? Because, you know, what? before that, he was the crusher. He was this. He was that. You expected to see, uh, especially coming off the first Andre Ward fight, where I do feel in my heart of hearts that he earned a victory in that fight. So, of course, they're both talking smack. Uh, They're both saying they're going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to knock this guy out. I'm going to send him to the moon. But guess what? Andre Ward was the one that delivered. And when you see a guy that you hold up way up here uh, go down from a body shot and not really look. To make that attempt to even get to one knee, uh, and and uh, looking for help from referees or something else that's like, hey, get this count over with fast. I mean, it, believe me, and and not to sell it short, we've all been there. That that those fighters that have stepped in a ring, and certainly I have too. And and like I said, it does not validate what that level of competition and fight and the significance of that fight was all about. And that's what I decided that, that night was to lose the respect that I or I held him at that level, that high, And uh, I can't do that anymore. And forever he's going to be, in my mind, you know, fighters as good as the last fight. Um, but that's the image I have of him, just uh, I, I, on the canvas looking for the referee to stop the count and get it over with and uh, not trying to make the effort to remain in a, in a battle. Well, we'll talk a
2: little more about that fight uh, as we uh, give you our thoughts a little bit later in the show. But first, we're going to take a short break right now. And when we come back, we'll have uh, Alex Papali join us and we'll get his thoughts uh, on the uh, uh, fights from this past weekend. So uh, don't go anyways We'll be back in two.
0: Billy Sea will be right back. Now back to talk and boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson.
2: Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on, there, Jeremy. Man, uh, I need you to take this one all right? Wait,
0: what? What? No way. I,
2: I I can't do this. Need I remind you, I'm Billy C. Damn it! Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs>
0: Undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk
1: Radio. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And, um, you know, he always forgets, man. He always forgets that... Yeah, he's live, right? He's got it. Maybe you guys aren't seeing it, but I have this camera shot right on my man Alex, who's going to be joining us now. I, what do I got to do? Do I do I have to get you like a, a a personal makeup artist or something? I mean, the way you're the way you're sitting there looking and fixing yourself and getting all good. I mean, what's up with that, man? Come on. <laughs>
1: Once you've been in movies, man. Oh, I know. That's what it is. That's
2: that's what I, that's what it has to be. I forgot all about that's what it is. Alex has been in yeah. uh, several movies, and he's he's a little more apt to cameras than the rest of us. But uh,
1: I, I got my own IMDb page, and once that happens. You've got to look at that image there. That's very
2: important. Well, Sal's been in movies too. He's he holds his he holds his card and everything else, and he doesn't do it. He comes in all. <laughs> I got to remind him to turn his well, camera the, on in the I'm morning.
1: Compared to Sal, Sal's a good-looking older man. Look at me. <laughs>
2: hey, b- both I your, have to take every chance I get. Both of your egos. I, we're talking about egos, right? Both these calm down with the egos. Jeez, <laughs> the, Alex is demanding a makeup artist. Sal just wants a camera that he remembers to turn on. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, glad you could be with us, Alex. And uh, first and foremost, uh, what was your thoughts on uh, Mikey Garcia's performance last night?
1: Uh, I enjoyed the fights last night. Uh, I only saw the uh, Showtime card, um, so I um, have some work to do today. Uh, I got to see the Chisora-Takam fight. I've heard great things about that. Um, I liked the Showtime card a lot. Uh, it was actually it surprised me a little because I thought it was going to be a little more one-sided. Uh, I thought Garcia was really going to um, batter Robert Easter, and um, to his credit, uh, it was good good fight. Uh, but it was not it was not a great fight. I thought Garcia won. I had it like, 117 Um and I do think that um, I think uh, as you guys have said, uh, I think that Errol Spence. As much as I do applaud him. Uh, for that idea of stepping all the way up to uh welterweight. Um, I would much rather see him fight Lomachenko. Um, uh, and I think the Spence is too big. Um, but I do think that uh, it was a good card last night. I, I thought one of the great moments was um, when Easter was doing well and um, uh, Paulie had some uh, good, uh, really good commentator uh, moments. Where he uh, pointed out some really exactly what was going on there, and it was great when he was talking about how Easter was really piling up points just by moving away and just sticking the jab, sticking the jab, sticking the jab, and that uh, Paulie said, "I I made a career of that," (laughs) (laughs) and Al laughed. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool because it did show you that um, you know there's lots of different fighters and there's different ways to win in this sport, but the whole when it comes down to it, you got to land punches. And if you're landing lots and lots of jabs, as Steve Farhood said, that, and you've talked about this before, Billy C, when it comes to scoring, um, how many jabs equals a power punch? And that's exactly what was happening. There were a few rounds where Garcia's output dropped old enough that Easter's uh, jabs were enough to win the rounds, I thought. Um, but uh, I thought Ortiz looked good. You know, he. Um, he could he may or may not be as old as me we don't know <laughs> but um he uh you know he's got that power and for a heavyweight division um I I, I love that last that knockout that he did because it reminded me very much of uh when Lennox Lewis knocked out Hasim Rahman except it was the southpaw version of that instead of the left hook, uh right hand uh his was the right hook straight left and his straight left was a lot straighter than uh, the shot um, Lennox Lewis used to take out Rachman, but um
2: Well let, 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 me jump, let me jump back to Garcia for a sec. Um, you know, Robert Easter was using the jab, but the yeah. problem is, is that you, you're supposed to use the jab, aside from Paulie Malignaggi, uh, you're supposed to use the jab to set up other punches, and he was not. Um, you know, the, he had that one round, I, I don't know what it was, I don't know if it was the ninth or tenth round, where it was kind of a dogfight between both of them. And it, you know, it was almost like he said, well, I'm either going to knock him out or he's going to knock me out. And that really was, I, I mean, I, I still lean towards Mikey Garcia in that round, but that really was what I thought he needed to do from that point on, and then he didn't do it again. Um, The one thing I did notice about Mikey, and and like Sal, uh, I've already said to Sal, and and you probably know too, I'm a big Mikey Garcia fan, but he looked ordinary against Easter. Do you think it was the height difference?
1: That could very well be, and I think also whenever you're faced with movement like that, um, it's hard to look good. But he's supposed
2: to know how to cut the ring off.
1: Right, and I think that 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 was the the thing that it did expose, is that um, he had some difficulties doing that. Uh, And you're right, maybe it was uh, not enough body punching, because body punching, of course, takes a guy's legs away. Um, Effective body...
2: There wasn't enough effective body punches, Alex, because like Sal and I discussed earlier in the show, it seemed that he... First of all, he's not a body puncher, we know that, but... He was trying to work the body, but every time he landed a punch, they were not flush. They went like when you see a body puncher, uh, you know uh, the the proverbial uh, Mexican body puncher. You know you see these guys land these shots to the body. It's like oh man, you you know you feel them, and uh, you know although Mikey was landing the punches, they were landing weird. The heel of his his hand, you know uh, the glove, whatever, um, and and they just. I don't know. I I don't think any body punch landed hard enough to really make Robert Easter worry about the body punches.
1: You're right. I think that that, well, I think part of that was because of Easter's movement um, is that uh, uh, Garcia was firing. And by the time the punch got there, the target was moved a little. And I think they even might've mentioned during the fight at one point that it didn't seem like he was turning over his gloves uh in his punches. Um, you're right. That uh and I think I think that was mainly because I think a couple of things happened is once Easter was stung and got up from the knockdown and to his credit made some adjustments, I think one of the things that happened was Garcia was like, Okay, well now I'm gonna keep pressing and he was pressing and that's mainly what won him a lot of rounds was just effective aggressiveness, um, and power punching. But um I think what was happening was, you know, again, they're closing distance, and maybe that distance wasn't the ideal place where Garcia wanted him so he could really bang him, Um, and I think that that's what was happening. So a lot of the punches were more cuffing than they normally would. Uh, But I I think part of that was Easter uh, was making that happen because he was – because, again, I mean, you know, football is a game of inches – uh boxing is uh, a game of centimeters uh one because it's international so they use the metric system and the other is that you only Uh, have to move a little bit to take (laughs) the sting off a punch to take the power off a punch and sometimes a guy is able to do that And i kind of think that it was easter that was able to do that
2: slipping in his uh his little humor there sal hey uh with the potential fight sal between uh uh mikey garcia and errol spence um I feel that a effective body attack is a must when you're challenging yourself um, so hard the way uh, you know Mikey Garcia would be against Errol Spence. Errol Spence is a very proficient body puncher. Um, how do you feel that the lack of Mikey Garcia's body attack would affect him in such a big fight uh, potentially against
3: Errol Spence? I'll I'll tell you I I I, I see Errol Spence beating uh, Mikey Garcia handedly, and uh, I'll say that right now. Um, uh, I I love Mikey Garcia. I think he's a good warrior. I just don't really see his style uh, complementing uh, Errol Spence. I think Errol Spence will roll over him. I think he's going to be not only too big, but I think I think uh, his effective body shots will keep Mikey guessing And uh, and Mikey's got to develop A little bit more uh, Authoritative body shot uh, Style if he's going to be Looking to to slow fighters down He's got to land those, those uh, Shots proficiently and effectively And uh, we haven't seen that yet And I think he can work on it uh, But again I think he needs to move his head A little bit more and think he needs to Bend a little bit at the waist especially when he's a smaller Fighter against a taller opponent and uh, that's how you can effectively be the aggressor. Cut the ring off. Learn these things. Uh, go pace to pace. Spar. Do what we got to do. Those are effective things to learn. And if he brought that kind of style into the fight against a, uh, a taller opponent like that, I think he'd be more effective. But, um, yeah, Errol Spence, I, 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 I don't even see that fight going a distance, and I see Errol Spence winning big. Alex,
2: um, right. against the protect, potential fight against Errol Spence, uh, Mikey Garcia has already said, you know, he doesn't feel he, he would have any trouble making the 147-pound, uh, you know, weight class. He said that he normally walks around around 155 to 158. It um, feels that uh, you know he'll 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 make the weight no problem, and he'll you know he'll put on the weight no problem. I should say, uh, but he also recognizes the fact that Errol Spence Jr will come down to make the weight but then fight night would probably be uh you know substantially bigger uh, so therefore Mikey Garcia would be fighting a much bigger opponent do you feel that Mikey's uh style and and uh, not yesterday because I didn't think he showed uh the ring savvy that he normally no. does uh but but do you think that um, that'll help him against Spence. I mean, as much as we all think Spence is such a great fighter, he's still a young guy, Alex, and, and he's still, you know, most of his experience at the pro level has... I mean, the toughest opponent he's had so far was Kel Brook. Um, Mikey Garcia... It's a pretty tough opponent. It, it certainly is. It certainly is, but, but that was also... Uh, a, a Kell Brook that had been had one orbital bone busted up in, in, in the previous fight against Triple G and lost another one uh, in the fight against Errol Spence. But, um, I, I mean, is Garcia good enough to overcome, you know, a very good, bigger fighter?
1: Uh, that's what we'd have to find out, and I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I think that, to me, Errol Spence is one of the best fighters in the world, and he, I mean, Mikey Garcia is two, but Errol Spence is, you know, two weight classes larger. Um, I don't know. I think part of why we're talking about it is, isn't it because we don't want, uh, you know, one of the things that was really cool last night, Billy C, uh, about, about that whole event was and I, and I can't help but thinking about it in terms of the blast is some of those great moments um, when you're reading about old fights is they mention who was in the crowd and you're like oh my god look how many great fighters went to this fight well that was so neat at the beginning of the fight when they panned the crowd and they were showing so many guys Jared Hurd was there Sean Porter uh, Adrian Broner, of course, uh, kind of stole the show and they put the camera on him. But that's uh, show, that's,
2: that's that's showtime promoting their fighters, right?
1: True, absolutely, absolutely. That that's is great. It's was, great. Uh, it was It was like a great big Al Heyman backyard barbecue because yeah. <laughs> everybody was uh, Al Heyman fighters, but of course Al Heyman was not there. We,
2: that we know of. Because uh, he's not... He,
1: you could see, see Steve in Espinosa and you could see... Uh, What's his name? Um, Schaefer. Schaefer, Richard Schaefer. Um, But, um, of course, Al Heyman, if he was there, we'd never on camera. Um, But uh, the Watson twins were, and Sam Watson. But um, I do think that, so, I don't know, I like that. I think the reason why he's talking about Errol Spence, to me, yeah, let's see that fight. In a year and a half, two years, let him grow into welterweight. To me, it's kind of like we're not going to, don't talk about Lomachenko because we're not working with top rank. No,
2: you know? I, I think that the reason that Lomachenko is because he's, he's it's the weight. He, he thinks that Lomachenko, it would be harder to make the fight with Lomachenko because Lomachenko is already talking on a possible, you know, uh, catch weight or something, you know. And remember, Lomachenko is a smaller guy, Garcia's 30 years old. You know, he's looking to get a huge payday. He's going to make a lot of money to fight Errol Spence.
1: Right. To me, it's like, why wouldn't Garcia want fight Lomachenko in the fight where you'd have the advantage, um, the weight advantage, then move up and fight Errol Spence? Uh, Errol Spence is young. He's got the better reaction time. He's bigger. He's stronger. To me, yeah, he's going to beat Mikey Garcia. Well, let me Uh, ask you
2: this. Let me ask you this. Both of you. Who's the better pound-for-pound fighter right now, in your opinion? Errol Spence or Vasily Lomachenko?
1: Vasily Lomachenko. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think,
3: Sal? Hold on. I think Vasily Lomachenko is, me, me and I too. think he'd also beat uh, Garcia. Well, yeah.
2: see, so my point is, is maybe Mikey Garcia actually thinks that he's got a better chance to beat Errol Spence than Lomachenko. I mean, that could be a possibility, right? that could be hmm. um that could be. you know it's just what what i really can't get past is my admiration for mikey garcia to even talk about doing that you know when was the last time a fighter moved up and down in weight and and has been as successful as mikey garcia i mean I, you know great fighters and alex you and i've talked about get this a million him. times uh, right but, but you and I have talked about this many, many times. I mean, great fighters, the all-time greats, have all done things that were outside the box and made you say, wow, that yeah. I didn't think he was going to win that. I mean, it, you know, people when when people discredit Roy Jones Jr. for beating John Ruiz, well, he only beat John Ruiz. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I still give him credit for doing it because John Ruiz was a world heavyweight champion. Forget it, you know, so anyway speaking of heavyweights Luis Ortiz um uh in his fight against uh uh, Razvan uh, Kajanu um you know no disrespect to Kajanu but this was the perfect opponent for Ortiz I do believe that he will get a another shot at Deontay Wilder I'm not so sure that the outcome will be any different uh but uh what was your thoughts of that fight I mean did did were you able to see anything other than just uh, ortiz getting a win and then of course uh the emotional uh, ortiz about uh some diseases daughter had that they came up with a cure for which was fantastic and even i even th- th- thought i noticed jim gray who i think is one of the scurviest pieces of garbage on the planet actually b- become human when when he heard that uh oh. what was your thoughts
1: He's like the grinch his cold cold heart yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um i thought ortiz looked good um and i thought he looked as as i think he it was mission accomplished for him because um he had to look good and keep keep uh, hope alive if you will about um uh, another shot at at a, at a title, at a Deontay Wilder. Uh, remember, he was very close to winning it at, at a few points in that fight with Deontay Wilder. So if we're going to still sort of let this uh, Joshua Wilder bout marinate uh, for a while, then why not um, have a rematch with Ortiz? I think, yeah, he did everything he could to keep that I- idea alive. And uh, in a way... Um, in the heavyweight division, sometimes this could work against you because he kinda, the only thing he kept alive for himself was that Wilder rematch because nobody else is gonna wanna fight him because he still looked very dangerous. He's got a lot of pop and he's a southpaw, he's a smart boxer, he could be as old as the hills. We don't know.
2: Well, the amazing thing is he's getting younger. He's getting younger, which is amazing. You know, from I, I from you know, my it, it, it's it's uh, it's amazing. But uh, you know, Sal, I know you know you you have uh, Deontay Wilder uh, boxer trunks that you that you wear <laughs> under your jeans. But uh, the truth of the matter <laughs> is, is you know, the, a rematch with Luis Ortiz. The WBC uh, have, has at least verbally paved the way for a rematch prior to his mandatory, which is Dominic Brazil, which he technically doesn't have to fight till the end of the year, and they would grant him a, a voluntary defense against Ortiz. Uh, this could be a fight where he could make some extra money. I think that there would be a demand for that rematch because of what Alex just said, that that Ortiz was holding his own, and with that said, do you think that Deontay Wilder would go in there with the mindset of i am g- got to take Ortiz out quicker and feeling that he's already taken the, the best punch that Ortiz can give him? Do you think he goes in there with a little less respect for Ortiz the second time around than he did the first time?
3: Yes, I do. I do. As we were talking about that scenario, and I do see Deontay Wilder having a little bit earlier success and uh, looking a little more dominant. I think he's got his number. I think uh, I think that Ortiz would put up a couple good rounds, but I think uh, Deontay Wilder has learned more from that fight than I think Ortiz would learn uh, to fight a Deontay Wilder. Because again, Deontay Wilder, he he's unpredictable, and that's why when you fight somebody like that, you 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 cannot. Prepare. You don't know what's going to come, when it's going to come, and that's why he's had his level of success as he has. He's just, he's just, uh, he he throws punches in bunches, and he's got that haymaker, and uh, when you're not ready for it, it's going to catch you, and uh, so that's why I I think Deontay Wilder will win more dominantly in in a, a shorter period of time if he fought Luis Ortiz again. You know,
2: the thing is, though, Alex, is that, um, you know, the one thing that Ortiz will bring, and I do uh, uh, agree that I think that Wilder, because he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, uh, will come right after uh, Ortiz and try and take him out quicker. But the one thing won't change, and that's Luis Ortiz is a southpaw. And I think that that was really some of the problem that Deontay had was the fact that, you know, these punches were coming – from a southpaw stance, which which let's face it, I mean, with all the cupcakes that he's been fed, aside from the fact that I'm surprised he's not a diabetic, Wilder hasn't seen uh, much, uh, you know, difference in styles. I mean, he's he's hand fed the same stuff over and over. Do you think the southpaw will still hurt him?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think that's always going to be one of uh, the best, uh, you know, arrows in. Um, in Ortiz's quiver because I think that, uh, yeah, that's uh, especially at heavyweight, it, it, guys just don't expect to see that. Uh, and he he uses the angle well, he's not, uh, because he has such a in, uh, that Cuban uh pedigree of um that long amateur career, uh, he fights behind the southpaw angle, he doesn't square up, he doesn't sort of give it away. Uh, his punches are straight. Um, so, yeah, and he's still got pretty uh, quick hands. You think uh, so?
2: I was just going to ask you, do you really think that he's got quick hands? Because, you know, I was really in the in the short, even though the fight was so short, I, I was really looking because I think that his hand speed, I, I don't think he's any, any faster than Deontay Wilder, to be honest. Now, Deontay Wilder throws his punches from crazy so angles. Like-
1: yeah, that's that could be the, the advantage because even though he's maybe he's not fast in terms of his reaction time is not as quick as Deontay Wilders. Straight punches get there quicker.
2: Yeah, um, right. uh, and
1: he throws straighter punches. So like his jab's going to get there quicker. His straight left's going to get there quicker. And it, last night it was the straight left. But
2: that what is- he's got to do is be able to avoid. Deontay's punches more in the second fight because Deontay's going to come out trying to take his head off. I mean, I, I I would think so. I mean, you know, Sal just agreed before. As well. What, Sal? What, with the raising of the hands? What? Yeah,
3: you, you know, I, part of, you know, you know how I feel about Deontay Wilder. <laughs> Which I'm still but shocked part, over. But part, part, of, part of that reasoning is this, too, though. I think a lot of people forget and maybe maybe you think I give it too much credence, but I, I do I know he's got a world class trainer in Mark Breedland. Yeah. And I also think that guess what? When you have a fight and you are seeing a deficit in your arsenal or something else, you go to the gym and you work on it with your trainer. And the same thing is to be said. Now do you think Deontay Wilder is not gonna have a slew of big heavyweight southpaws for sparring partners? That are going to be decent, uh, decently uh, schooled, and, and give him what he's got to look at. To how many, how many
2: big, giant Southpaw heavyweights are there, Sal? Well, you got to point. Yeah, right? and, and yeah. let me ta- and 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 let me and let me and let me just okay. tell you this. Well, you let, let, say, let me just say. Let me just say this. Southpaw. Let's just say this. All right. <laughs> I, and I am one hundred percent in agreement with you and Mark Breland. But what we have seen with Deontay Wilder is that he doesn't listen. Are you telling me that Mark Breland is telling him to go headhunting? Sal, you admitted to me more than once that 99.99% of the fighters, when they get in trouble, they revert back to what comes normally and naturally to them. And what Deontay Wilder has, which has bailed his ass out of trouble every fight for 40 wins, is his punching power. So when he got hurt against Luis Ortiz, he was in kill-or-be-killed mode, and he came out on top. That is probably his worst weakness because he's got so much power that he relies on it when the going gets tough rather than listen to the things that Mark Breland is trying to teach him. He utilized his jab and movement once in 40 fights, and that was his first fight against Berman DeVerne. So um, although I give uh, uh, Breland a lot of credit, the fighter has to respond and listen to his trainer. You could have the best trainer in the world teaching you every trick known to man, and when the bell rings, all you're looking at is to take your opponent's head off, and that's what I think he does.
3: Well, it it may be, but I I also think that, you know, being well-schooled, and we did say, you know, you're going to revert back to what comes to you naturally, or that's innate, and uh, that's your instincts. But the bottom line is if they're, if they're preparing him differently, hey, when you get hurt like this, instead of doing that, think about this. Take a step back. Keep your hands up. Reassess. Go in. Do this. You know, you can, you can be schooled on it. And, you know, once in the heat of battle, uh, all bets are off, but a good student will remember what he's taught, what he's learned, because that learned habit over time or in the gym, gym day in, day out, that will then become more natural for you to do. So what I'm predicating or basing my opinion on is that you do have a competent professional world-class trainer in Mark Breland that would drill these things in so it does become what Deontay Wilder could revert back to if he gets in that heated position or heated situation. So like I said, I think the best Deontay Wilder we still have not seen because he's going to rise to the level of competition that he's being fed. And again, what what we saw when he fought Ortiz was a, a Deontay Wilder that could take a hell of a shot, and that just still came back, picked himself up, and and came back to win. Uh, I'm going to say that I think he's going to be more effective the next time out if he faces a southpaw, and I and I still feel that he's a he's a progress, he's in motion, he's learning, and he's developing. And I think when you rely on one thing and you you go on what's what's innate. You're going to react. You're going to respond. But with overtime, the drilling, I think we're still going to see the best Deontay
2: Wilder in the future. I think we've already seen the best Deontay Wilder, and that was against Ortiz. Hey, Alex, before we let you go, um, what's your thoughts? Uh, Next week, we're going to be doing the uh, post-fight as soon as uh, Kovalev and uh, uh, Elder Alvarez is over. Um, Do you see this being a tough fight for Kovalev?
1: Um. I don't see it being um, real difficult no but I do think that uh, he's still in a point where um, uh, he has to look good and I think um, it was sort of interesting because just the other day um, was it yesterday or two days ago Andre Ward uh, tweeted something um, suggesting uh, said something about uh, a comeback or something like that um, but um, or something about missing boxing. I forget. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting with, um, you know, with the Bivol, uh Kovalev doubleheader coming up. Um, I wonder if he's going to be doing the announcing, too. Um,
2: I think if he I- comes back, it's going to be heavyweight. Really? Well, or cruise away. Or cruise away. You know, because uh, to come back just as a light heavyweight, what's what's he going to prove? Hey, listen, he was not a cell before. He's not a cell now. I hope he never comes back, really. It's,
1: it's, too, it's too bad. I don't know. I think because I was never a huge fan. I Me mean, neither. I think his two best, most entertaining fights were his last two. And his best, he retired after his best win. I agree uh, with
2: that. I agree with that. He, he went out knocking out and making Kovalev quit I I don't know if a swan song could 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 better that I really don't
1: right and that so but what in terms of Kovalev next week I am looking forward to because uh even though in in Ward's absence Kovalev is the best guy at 175 however uh Bivol is the one who's maybe the one who's going to challenge that title down the road um so I like when HBO does this, or when anybody does this, when they put doubleheaders between two guys that at some point we might want to see clash, and you get to see them fight right after each other. So in that sense, it's cool. And plus, DeVol is fighting Chilemba, a guy that we've seen against Kovalev before. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's a good doubleheader. Uh, Kovalev, remember, it wasn't just Andre Ward um, that broke him. It was his own sort of hubris. I think, and maybe that's one of the reasons why, um, made a, what Dax was pointing out, that maybe he, he seemed to notice uh, main events didn't seem quite as excited about Kovalev as they used to be, is that he might have burnt some bridges. Remember, uh, he, he fired John David Jackson. There's lots of rumors about, um, you know, just plain hubris uh, from Kovalev. Um, I don't know. To me, I don't mind that, I guess, from him a little bit because um, it takes all kinds in this sport. And uh, some of these guys might be proud, uh, arrogant jerks, you know? And uh, so I was just going to say, come on, Sal,
2: he's right there. It's not like I have him muted, you know? I mean, come on. Talking about Sal. Easy, easy. But no. Not all. Not (laughs) all. Jerks. Uh, so listen, I mean, Alex. Both I mean, Al-
1: fighters that I've met personally are some of the nicest people in the world. Ninety percent of them. Are. That right?
3: is that he's not um, he's not the easiest guy to work with. No. Now he's no. got an air of arrogance around him and everything else, and and uh, you know in his mind he's an elitist and uh, you know. But uh, you see elitists quit on the floor. You know. Yeah, that's thing. exactly right. <laughs> Alex, we'll be uh, looking for you uh, next week, my
2: man.
1: Looking forward to it, guys. Have a great one. All right, take, take care. Out. That's uh,
2: Alex uh, Papali uh, giving us uh, his thoughts on the fights and some other stuff. So uh, I appreciate Alex. And he'll be with us. We're doing our post-fight next week. And uh, not sure if uh, it's going to be as soon as the fight is over uh, or uh, early Sunday morning. Uh, We'll uh, make that decision this week. But look for our uh, uh, Kovalev uh, Alvarez post-fight show. And with that said, Sal, uh, let's take a look at these guys. Uh, elder alvarez uh is has been the mandatory for the wbc world light heavyweight champion it's interesting for uh to hear alex say that Sergey kovalev in his opinion is the best light heavyweight in the world and um actually uh kovalev is ranked number two by the computer and they actually have adonis uh, stevenson as number one which shocks the hell out of me a guy that uh, really is uh uh, held that title hostage but elder alvarez uh, has been his mandatory for the wbc forever uh, he's not rated right now only because he his last fight was uh, a little over a year ago uh, his four biggest wins of his career uh, you go back in my, these are my opinion in 2014 he fought uh, rhino lionberg Uh, At the time, was an up-and-coming guy. He was 16-0, and a lot of uh, fanfare was being built uh, around uh, Lionberg And uh, Alvarez beat him, stopped him in the seventh uh, of a scheduled uh, 12-round fight. Uh, You fast-forward it. His win over Isaac Chalimba in 2015, uh, a close fight. He won a 12-round majority decision. His uh, knockout, uh, fifth-round knockout over Lucien Butte, uh, in February of last year. And then uh, his last fight, a 12-round majority decision, which I don't believe it should have been a, a, even that close on the cards, but against uh, Jean Pascal. Those are actually Alvarez's best fights. Of course, he's 23-0 and 0 with 11 knockouts. He's 34 years old, only one year younger uh, than Kovalev. He's got the WBC Silver. Uh, light heavyweight championship belt which is really the wbc's version of the interim title uh this kid can fight uh but he steps in with uh Sergei kovalev uh in my opinion uh kovalev um is a better fighter he's uh currently the wbo world light heavyweight champ like i said earlier uh he is uh Uh, Ranked number two by the computer, he's got a two-inch height advantage uh, over Alvarez at two six-foot-two versus six-foot. However, he's got a shorter reach uh, disadvantage by uh, almost three full inches. Uh, He's uh, got a record of 32 wins, two losses, and one draw. Both his losses coming at the hands of Andre Ward uh, in their first fight in November of 2016. Um, I feel that he beat Andre Ward. They had the rematch, and that's when Sal and I lost a lot of respect for, uh, for uh, Sergey Kovalev. He was uh, stopped in the eighth round, quit. Uh, has followed that up with two knockout victories, uh, V. Sabernansky and uh, Igor uh, McCaughlin in his last fight, uh, stopping both these guys. And when you look through his resume, I mean, really, he's fought and beat a lot of quality quality fighters i mean isaac chalimba jean Pascali beat twice b hoppy beat cedric agnew uh nathan cleverly cornelius white was an undefeated uh actually once beaten fighter when he uh fought uh kovalev so i mean kovalev has certainly paid his dues uh in this particular fight i i think it's going to be an exciting fight sal i mean what's your thoughts on how the outcome uh well before we get to the outcome how do you think the fight's going to go
3: well, I'll tell you what. I think the fight's gonna go uh, uh, fairly well and develop, And uh, I think we'll get see some times in the trenches, but I don't care if you're elder Alvarez or younger Alvarez. All I'll be doing is concentrating on the soft body that uh, that uh, we we may see from Kovalev. So I think a body attack and a relentless body attack would prove to be successful for uh, for uh, Alvarez to uh, work on. And uh, I'm talking about going to the after that body, fainting to the head and uh, digging in and, and trying to hit him, Just move side to side on the sides and the solar plexus everywhere. I think uh, I think a body attack is what any opponent right now has got to gotta go in and try and uh, expose and dispose of uh, of Kovalev. But okay. I think it's gonna be a good fight. and i and I can't discount Kovalev from learning from his fight, even though he's up there uh and to try and uh, keep away and box and use his range and use his power so the experience and the power and everything else goes on kovalev's side and uh, do i see alvarez putting up a good fight yes i do i see him trying to be effective and, and maybe getting kovalev in a little little trouble but i do see kovalev probably outboxing him and going on to a victory and maybe even landing one of his haymakers and good shots and then knocking him out
2: what has made Sergey Kovalev successful throughout his career uh, is his punching power and the fact that he goes in for the kill. Um, I, you know, as far as overall boxing ability, I mean, at times he has shown that he can box. Uh, I'm not sure what game plan he's going to go after Alvarez. Alvarez is not known for being a, known. a a a uh, a big knockout puncher. Yeah. I mean, he's got 11 knockouts of his 23 wins. Uh, it gives him a 48 percent knockout ratio. Certainly does not have the rounds under his belt uh, that uh, uh, you would uh, you would think. Although he's got more. Uh, Rounds than than Kovalev has, even though he's got less fights. So, you know, he does go the distance is my point. Uh, He does uh, know how to box. And as we saw with uh, uh, Andre Ward against Kovalev, you know, if you know how to box and neutralize his coming forward uh, approach, then a lot of times you have a good chance. The other thing Dax mentioned earlier, uh, John David Jackson was in Kovalev's corner up until his last fight. So um, you know what was it his last two? I believe it was just his last fight. So you know it, it it seems like Kovalev is in this seek and destroy mode, and maybe Alvarez isn't the guy to do that against. Uh, at the end of the day, I I, I think that this fight is going to be closer than we would think because of Alvarez's boxing ability. The question is going to be, and they're both similar in age. Uh, Kovalev's thirty five, and Alvarez is thirty four. It's going to be interesting to see if Kovalev can keep uh, a constant pressure on Alvarez and actually wear him down, because I think that that's the key to this fight. I think that Alvarez is going to try to outbox Kovalev, and Kovalev's job is to be defensively sound in the first part of the fight and be 100% offensively minded in the second part of the fight. I'm looking for Alvarez to tire a little bit, and, uh, and I think Kovalev is going to win. Although I think the neutralizer is exactly what you said, Sal. If Alvarez can work the body, uh, we've seen it time and time again that Kovalev does not like to get hit in the body, especially when Andre Ward is hitting him below the belt. But that's <laughs> besides the point. Uh, so I, too, am picking uh, Kovalev in this one. Uh, what makes this fight even more interesting is the co-main event. Dmitry Bivo. Is taking on Isaac Chalimba. Now, Isaac Chalimba is one of these fighters that um, is always in the mix with light heavyweights on their way up. He's a former world title challenger. Uh, he's ranked number 14 in the world today. Uh, as of today, his record is 25 wins, five losses, and two draws. Ten of his wins coming by knockout. Of his five losses, he's only been stopped once. But here's the thing in his last five fights, He's only got two wins and three losses, and one of those losses was the one by stoppage. The wins, well, they weren't exactly overworld beaters. He won a 10-round decision over Vasily Lepikin in March of 2015. And in his very last fight, he beat uh, Blake Caparello. Uh, Via a 12 round decision in March of this year His losses, he lost to the same guy who's fighting Sergey Kovalev next week A 12 round majority decision to Elder Alvarez um, Which uh, many people thought was uh, a close fight That took place in, uh, including the judges That took place in November of 2015 In July of 2016, he lost a uh, 12 round decision to Sergey Kovalev uh, And then uh, he was stopped uh, four months later, he took a fight against uh, Oleksandr Godzvadik uh, and, and uh, got stopped the only time in his career. That was uh, uh, November uh, of that same year. And he steps in with a young gun. And Dimitri Bivol uh, is ranked number four in the world by the computer. Uh, he's a uh, light heavyweight champion. His last three fights really, uh, in my opinion, were against the toughest opposition he's faced uh, in June of 2017 he beat uh, uh, Cedric Agnew stopping him in the fourth uh, in November of the same year he destroyed Trent Broadhurst knocking him out in the very first round and in his last fight which was March of this year he won a uh, 12 round uh, stoppage over uh, uh, Sullivan Barrera and Sullivan Barrera is a highly touted uh, light heavyweight uh, that's when he won his WBA light heavyweight championship and he um, uh, he's. Uh, I'm sorry, he uh, uh, is the WBA light heavyweight champion. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, Dmitry Bivol is going to uh, come out on top like he's supposed to, and it's going to lead and pave the way for a match between Bivol and whoever wins between Alvarez and Kovalev, and I'm sure main events
3: is hoping it's Kovalev. I think you just hit it right on the point, and uh, I cannot disagree with anything you said across the board. Well, I think
2: that uh, I think that um, it ought to be an interesting uh, night of fights uh, next week. Uh, with both of these fights, we'll be able to be watching in the light heavyweight division. It's it's a division that used to be a glamour division that really is waiting uh, for more. I mean, you know, Andre Ward is an extremely talented fighter. There's no question about it, but the lack of promotion of him or just the way he is his personality he wasn't uh, a guy that had a huge following i mean this was a uh, and he's a diva and this was a guy that couldn't even sell out his own um, lo- you know local uh venues so uh and he's retired now and when he left he kind of left the void there's a lot of interest in bivol there used to be a lot of interest in kovalev uh but uh just like you, Sal. I'm with you, I'm with you with Kovalev. It's and I used to love Kovalev. So did you. I know. Me. You know? Too. And, Me too. And it just Me too. You know, it, it's funny because in M M A you're allowed to tap out and nobody ever gives you a hard time. No, he tapped out. Basically you he quit. Tapped out, you basically. quit. Right. Well in boxing, for some reason, when you do that, you're forever crucified. And uh, you know, I, I think my hang up with that particular fight, was that he talked more smack than That's he it. ever talked, Sal. And and you guys know me. I, you know, I don't mind smack talk, but you got to back it up. So he talks all this smack. He's going to destroy. He's going to knock him out. He's going to do this. He's gonna, and then he ends up getting knocked out himself and quits. And, oh, by the with way, the did I shot. did I forget to mention that Andre Ward said, we're going to knock him out, and did. You know, so, I mean, you got to respect that. So uh, uh, and, a lot of
3: stuff. Uh, You're right. I mean, and that's exactly my whole path of of why I I arrived at where I am with with him now. I mean, you know, you you hear what a fighter wants to tout and wants to profess and wants to do. And, you know, when when push comes to shove and you see the opposite, it, you know, puts a blemish there. And, uh, you know, if he didn't shout out, if he didn't say he was going to do this, he was going to do that and everything else, you know, but you and I saw the fight. He didn't even really make that effort to 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 get up, to to struggle, to do whatever. And then when you see a fighter do that and quit, it's 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 hard for me to regain a level of respect.
2: I just when people talk smack, I just want them to try to back it up. Now in that fight, Andre Ward clearly was going for the knockout. I anyway. still I still would have respected Andre Ward for trying to go for the knockout when he said he was going to go for the knockout. Uh, versus watching uh, Sergey Kovalev quit, you know, after he said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I get you in that ring, oh, boy, am I going to give you some of these and some of those, you know, and, <laughs> then, he, and, and, and then the next thing you know, he's, he's quitting, you know, but uh, in any event, we'll have to wait. We will be doing a post-fight show uh, after that fight. Uh, uh, just look uh, on our uh, Facebook or Twitter page to get the time. It's either going to be immediately after the fight on Saturday night, uh, or it'll be uh, the following morning early. So uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, one last thing I do want to mention, Sal, is you know as much as I didn't think that this the Mikey Garcia fight was one of his best, I can't emphasize enough how much I respect him for going after not just a guy. In the welterweight division, which incidentally he's never fought uh, in that division before, but not just going after some welterweight, he's going after arguably the best welterweight in the division. I mean, you can make an argument between him and Terence Crawford, and if you still remember uh, that guy's name, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh yeah, Keith Thurman. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, he's going after the guy that most people think is the best. So I respect that, and, uh, you know, like I keep emphasizing, and you could read between the lines, here as boys and girls. The truth of the matter is great fighters do great things just like this. You know, fighters that claim they're the greatest that have never challenged themselves are not that great. That's just my opinion. And I think that Mikey Garcia, even if he lost that fight against Errol Spence, would deserve a hell of a lot more credit at least will get a hell of a lot more credit from me versus a fighter that never even challenged himself that drastically at all. So uh, you can uh, read between the lines there. Any final thoughts, Sal?
3: No, you know, final thoughts. I I, I will tell you this. Uh, I I do appreciate and I do like the job that Paulie Malignaggi does on Showtime. And I I like to hear his perspective because he's been there, he's done that. And I think it uh, it should not go unnoted that uh, he does speak uh, from one fighter to another. He does speak with the experience of being there and have done that. So uh, he does a great job. I like pulling up Paulie and uh, Al Bernstein and the whole team there. They, they, they do a real good job. So I was glad to hear that. Um, Hey, Not Ronaldo, you know, he's the worst. Hello? More, yeah, Mario yeah. Manalo, Ronaldo. I, I, I have no problem with him. I hate him. I, 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 you know, I, I and let me no problem with and, him. and let me
2: tell you this. Let me tell you this. I will yeah. say this. As much as I hate him, and yeah. and he has ruined almost every broadcast I've ever watched that he's on, especially when he's working uh, with uh, with Paulie and Al, because Paulie and Al, and I agree with everything you said. All the accolades you gave them, they're both uh, tops. Um, I can't stand Steve Gray and, and uh, I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim Gray. Um, Steve uh, uh, Farhood is Farhood good. good I, I love Steve Farhood and the, Barry the Tompkins. Those guys are real are okay. good when we got to watch them. But I will say this. As much as I despise Morio ronaldo and I feel that he's the worst thing about Showtime's boxing, I will say this. Get ready! I can't wait. <laughs> I didn't think he was as bad as he usually was in 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 last night's fight. He Excuse he didn't. Me, see, whoa, whoa. Excuse yeah. me, I I didn't hear I, that. No, you he heard said, you. He said it. Wait, I, wait, wait! I'm wait, telling my you, going out. Let, for, for, let me, for some reason, go ahead, say that for, one more for time. some reason, he didn't aggravate me as much as he usually did. Now, he wasn't yelling and screaming, and he limited his stupid, sick jokes. Uh, to maybe a thousand instead of twenty thousand, but uh, he wasn't as bad uh as he usually was, and you know what else? Uh, I thought the uh, um referee uh Jack uh, Reese uh I I thought that he did a decent job, and he's been bad recently. Like he thinks you know he's yeah. the star of the fight, and he did a good job. He, there was one point uh during the uh, Garcia um. Uh, Easter fight where Easter was holding on and Mikey Garcia was punching his way out and and Reese let let him punch his way out rather than rush over there and break the two up which a lot of referees have been doing these days so I got to agree with you I I thought that the broadcast uh, yesterday uh, was great, but I still say if it was up to me,
3: Mario Vernalo, fire his ass because uh, he's the worst in the business. But uh, but, but, but you know, I, there was a moment there to, just now. I, you know, it's like it's like when you growing up. What do we watch that uh, the Burgermeister Meister Burger, the, the 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 claymation, the holiday thing. Remember the Mister Frosty or the the ice guy yeah. when he melts. That was you. Your heart. You just melted. You did. You did a great job. I'm the just giving. I'm just giving.
2: I'm just giving him credit. I mean, he wasn't as annoying. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it was because I had nine scotches when I was. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, hey, In <laughs> any event, hey, listen, boys and girls, make sure you tune in next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao,
3: baby. Den and then the 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 den and